This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about pho. This episode was requested by one of my Patreon supporters, Andrew, over at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. So if you want a chance to request topics for episodes of the show in the future, you can go to Patreon and donate as little as a dollar to make that happen. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. When we recorded last week's episode about Ottolenghi's flavor, we talked really briefly about how his cooking could be seen as a symbol of hope and unity in a place filled with conflict. I stand by that in theory, but I also think that we did you a disservice by not talking frankly about the nature of the conflict in question, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. While this show is primarily about celebrating the joy of food, it's also really important to me to look at things in a larger context and to talk about the ways that social justice factors into things and call out injustice when we see it happening. The situation in the Gaza and in Jerusalem in the past week between the Israeli government and Palestine, the genocide, frankly, that is happening, it's it's not a simple dispute over religion or a good people on both sides things. It is a violent act of colonization, genocide, and oppression, where a self-declared nation with military funding is actively pushing to kill and colonize an indigenous people group. It has nothing to do with religion, ultimately, and everything to do with nationalism. It's fucked up, and the Palestinian people deserve infinitely better than what is being done to them and what is being permitted by people on a global scale. If you want to learn more about this and educate yourself and find ways to help out, I've spent a lot of time this week retweeting and sharing things written by people who are a lot smarter and more educated about it than I am. And I'm also including a link to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency's Zakat for Gaza campaign, where you can donate to help put food and emergency cash in the hands of Palestinian people who need it. There is a lot of injustice being done over there right now, and like... It is shitty, and I'm mad about it, and you should also be mad about it. So yeah, click those links, go and educate yourselves, and see how you can help speak out, inform people, and and fight the 
bullshit that is going on. All right. Now, speaking of colonization, let's talk about Vietnam. Vietnam, officially the Socialist Republic of Vietnam, is a country on the eastern edge of the Indo-Chinese Peninsula with a fascinating and varied history going back thousands of years. One particularly storied part of its history that I'm focusing a little bit on today is a period known as the French Colonial Period that began in the 1800s and really only ended after World War II. The French, ever eager to colonize and control as much land as their Anglophone neighbors, sent Jesuit missionaries down to Southeast Asia and brought with them all the usual baggage of colonialism. War, destruction of cultures, forced assimilation, and, to tie things into today's episode topic, highly debatable claims of cultural improvements and ingenuity, and a knack for claiming to have created or discovered things that were super duper not their own creations or discoveries. Like fuck. Which, for the purposes of this episode, we're going to lazily oversimplify and use as a catch-all term for noodle and broth-based Vietnamese soup dishes, while also recognizing that there are tons of regional variations, as is often the case. Pho, like most delicious foods, was originally a street food, eaten primarily by workers who were busy and needed a filling hearty lunch. The French, ever the heroes of their own narrative, heard people calling this hot noodle soup dish pho, and assumed it was named after their own word pho, or fire, and that it therefore must have been a Vietnamese take on pot au feu, literally French for pot on fire, a French beef stew dish. It wasn't. Anyway, once Vietnam gained independence from France after the war, leading to, you guessed it, more war, refugees started fleeing Vietnam and settling elsewhere, including, but not limited to, France, Canada, the United States, and Australia. And pho came with them. Now, pho continues to gain popularity worldwide. It's seen as one of the most delicious dishes in the world, and is obviously deserving of that title. My own relationship with pho started back in 2014, when my friend Scott Evans, an Irish author and university chaplain, was in Montreal for a visit, and took me to his favorite joint here in Chinatown. Leave it to an Irishman visiting the Frenchest part of Canada to introduce me to Vietnamese food for the first time. It blew my mind. The, the broth was warm and inviting. The flavor profile was totally different from anything I'd had before. It immediately became a comfort food favorite. And when my partner Teffer was pregnant with our son Toby, we would go to a pho restaurant really close to the birth center where we ended up having him to get lunch on a regular basis after meetings. And it became a real comfort food staple for us. It's a food that I now have these, these beautiful sentimental memories attached to. And I think because of that, it will always be really meaningful to me. Anyway, I could talk all day about this, but I know that you're all here to learn how pho is made, what makes it so beautiful and delicious, and to hear at least one voice other than my own before the end of this episode. So let's get straight into it. All right, my guest for this week's episode of No Bad Food is none other than Tung La. Tung is an improviser and improv teacher at The Making Box in Ontario. Uh, he's also the mastermind behind The Pod Cavern, which is a... Uh, rival podcast network except rivals in the friendly way that like yugi and joey wheeler are rivals as opposed to the way that like ash and gary are rivals tongue and i are buds who have the same job in opposite provinces how you doing oh my god i can't you know what i appreciate you so much more tom that you pulled out a Yu-Gi-Oh reference <laughs> before a pokemon reference not enough love for Yu-Gi-Oh these days there's you know? really not there's really not now the real question is, which of us is Yugi and which was which one of us is Joey? Oh, I don't know. Joey's hotter, so you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to say Joey's dumber, so me. <laughs> I, guess, I guess both but work. It depends. Like, well, I can spend this whole like next hour talking about Yu-Gi-Oh if you want to, but am I the pharaoh version of Yugi or like the, the wimp? I think you could probably pull off both. Okay, that's good. Because the pharaoh, like... The pharaoh, mind my swearing, but he fucks. Oh, the pharaoh fucks for sure. <laughs> and regular Yugi, not so much. No, but yeah. that's the thing. I think I think you've got 
you've got the emotional range that you could pull off both. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're oh, welcome. Now I just want to play the card game. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our new Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Oh, can we do that instead? I mean, I, I can't wait for today's episode and topic. Don't don't get me wrong. Today, I can't wait that you brought me on for this topic. But like, legit, I used to spend years playing Yu-Gi-Oh against kids and losing a lot and making bad trades. When you say when you say you used to spend years playing games against kids, to me that that means that you weren't a kid during those years, you know? Oh yeah. Oh no, you're right. I mean, I was like in high school and like university, like beginning years of university, and I went to those tournaments still, and those kids with their parents that like had so much money and kept buying them packs, and I'm like. <laughs> How am I supposed to compete with this? And I remember, tangent here, I traded an entire binder of Pokemon cards for five Yu-Gi-Oh cards, which was so dumb. <laughs> and those cards, like, the next week got banned. What? And, yeah, they got banned from tournament use. And I'm like, oh, at least three of them did. And I'm like, I just made a bunch of bad decisions. <laughs> Were they... You know what? This is not a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. It's not a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. But... Tung, the real reason why I summoned you here today uh, <laughs> is to talk about pho. Pho is, of course, a Vietnamese uh, noodle soup dish. This episode was requested by one of my Patreon supporters, Andrew, over at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. Uh, and he requested this back in October, and it has taken a very long time for us to get to it because I was originally going to have you and another guest on this episode. But that other guest... Uh, his wife had a baby in like late October, early November. And, uh, you know, yeah. he still wanted to try and do it. And we kept trying to set it up. And like, you know, as soon as I knew that there was a possibility that we would have to reschedule because of the baby, I was like, I'm familiar with this. I know this is not going to happen. But, you know, we humored it. We tried and and much love to Scott and much love to Scott's cute baby. But uh, it didn't work out. We'll get Scott back another time. Uh, and so we're finally here. We're finally talking about pho. And we are talking pho with tongue. Talking tongue. Uh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was going to make a joke a about, plug. like, you know, your friend getting trapped in the shadow realm. But again, it's not a Yu Gi Oh! podcast. <laughs> so I can't do it. I got to get this out of my brain. Yes, we're talking pho. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this today. Yeah. So last time you were here, well, not the last time. The last time you were here was Munch Badness. But the last time you were here for a dedicated episode, we were talking about barbecue and you talked about Nam Nung, which is a Vietnamese oh, so good. pork sausage kind of grilled deal that uh sounds delicious i've still I'm salivating I, to oh have god it. i want it <laughs> i want it real bad um, <laughs> but uh after that recording you know i think at some point during that recording or possibly soon after you mentioned that your dad made awesome pho when you were growing up oh my god yes so as soon as you said that i was like okay i'm gonna get time back for that episode because of that like deep personal connection so tell mm -hmm. me about it tell me about your dad's soup well, uh, tell me about I say, your dad's soup. <laughs> I'll tell you about my daddy's soup. Uh, mm, daddy, <laughs> okay, pour uh, me a bowl of soup. <laughs> okay, let's get this out of the way. Let's get uh, I'm going to call this pho, but a lot of you out there will say pho or po or something stupid, or like, you know, even like the Vietnamese. Uh, demographic has started leaning into it to sell it to you mm -hmm. regular folk out there so they're making bad pho jokes as part of their restaurant name like pho show and stuff like that I've heard it all but it's pho that's the actual dialect of how to say it there's accents on the end so there's a little bit of like a rise and fall to the, the naming of it it's pho but for today 
I'm just going to call it pho because it's easier to do than having to, to go through the motions of saying it the right way every time. That's fair. But I will not slap you, but I will look at you very <laughs> judgingly if you say pho any one more time. Uh, anyways, where was I? I just got angry. Uh, right. <laughs> Let's talk about pho. So, yeah, uh, oh, man, like I – this is – this is for sure like top I mean I like ranking things Tom as you may know what? on my podcast uh, rank top five lists of stuff that don't matter but pho to me is like top tier food like we're talking about S rank food over here like sure. this is like my favorite home comfort food and it's just such a popular thing and yes my parents and my dad specifically but also my mother but my dad makes it a little bit better sorry mom uh, <laughs> where it's just, I don't know what about, like the beef broth pho, that, like that basic pho where you have just the, the, the vermicelli noodles and your, your perfectly cooked uh, beef in there. And when I say perfectly cooked, I want mine like on the rare to medium rare side of things. Sure. I don't like my beef like to be completely cooked through. Um, I'm talking about like eye of round beef cuts uh, usually. And I personally like beef balls in my... Um, in my pho as well. Just give me all the beef in there, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen it as well with like quail eggs at some restaurants and like tripe and things like that. But I'm pretty basic. I'll just have like uh, the, the beef itself, the eye round beef, the beef balls. I'll have it with bean sprouts, uh, maybe some green onion on top, maybe a mint leaf, and uh, just pour on some hoisin sauce and a little bit of fish sauce, and we're good to go, baby. Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I'm there with you on the uh, just give me all the beef. Just put every kind of beef in there and call it a day. Um, I think that I find really interesting with uh, and you talked about this, you touched on this kind of briefly while talking about it just now, is the, like, doneness of beef. Because I don't think that there are... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I don't know that I know of any other dish off the top of my head where if you order it somewhere, they bring you a plate of raw meat and throw it into the dish for you right before you eat it so that it cooks in the broth. I think that is Mm. like the ritual, I guess, of cooking it as you eat is something that I find really beautiful and really exciting. Oh, yes. Yeah. So like when I make it myself and like I have to say audience, like I can make a really good food. Like, oh, my God. Like, I'm I'm just horny thinking about it, but <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you put all the like, uh, let's say raw ingredients, and by raw I mean like without the broth, mm-hmm. into the bowl itself, and then when you're ready to party, you just pour that broth right on top, and yes, it just slowly cooks that beef a little bit uh, that's already like kind of just completely red meat, and then that broth heats it up, and it's just cooked enough that it just just not melts in your mouth but it just just tickles the taste buds yeah i mean i would say like melts in your mouth can be accurate for sure if it's Mm -hmm. sliced thin enough which you hope it is oh yes yes please in general slicing your meat thin will always taste better in my mind because like you don't have to go through the motion of like awkwardly chewing uh like just to get through i i feel this way about like i've seen it happen so many times where like friends of mine would make a beautiful let's say roast for example Mm -hmm. and then cut it not thin like cut it really thick and i think you just did a disservice to your meat just there because you can make it (laughs) a last longer if it's thinner but b it's just it i feel like it just goes down easier which Mm -hmm. is great you can just eat more of it well and a thing with beef like 
a thing with beef in general is that it is a tough enough kind of meat that like when you cook it you know no matter how you cook it no matter how well you cook it it's gonna have some chew to it mm-hmm. and like depending on how thick you cut it and depending on if you cut it against the grain or with the grain or you know cross cut diagonal whatever you want to call it all of that will affect the like <laughs> I, I heard the phrase tooth sinkability on the sporkful recently uh, uh-huh. specifically in reference to pasta and like you know the chewiness of pasta but i think that that beef has to have a certain tooth sinkability as well and uh i yep. think that like it's tricky because i think if i'm like grilling beef i do want it a little thicker as i'm cooking oh it, right? yes but, yeah, yeah of course but i think especially in something like pho where you do want to still be able to like you want to eat soup kind of fast but not in a hurry yes that's and what you can't I, do that yeah, with chewy beef for sure for sure like so oh my god like if you take a bite a spoonful of pho, like the perfect you, you use your chopsticks you put it on the on the on the spoon and you have like a little bit of noodles a little bit of uh, beef balls a little bit of bean sprouts whatever it is and then you have like this big slab of like beef on top of it that's too thick then you're chewing that sucker for like i don't know 30 seconds before right. you can go for a next spoonful that's too long that's it it throws off the balance yeah yeah like i think exactly. with a soup dish with a soup dish you want all of the elements to be like i mean i guess like solid elements and broth are going to have different texture obviously but like in terms of the amount of effort it takes to chew the stuff that's in the broth you Mm -hmm. want all of the solid elements to be similar yes and like you know even if one is crunchy and one is not you still want them to be the same amount of effort to eat because otherwise you have a really complicated bite yes and when that happens your soup gets cold right (laughs) and you don't want that like obviously it's it's a soup it's a hot soup uh cold soup for pho anyways it's not good no. like, well and yeah. i would say i would say that cold soup for pho is also maybe not pho anymore right like it, yeah. it is a dish that is inherently hot yes which is why when i never ever get like takeout pho i well mm. i said I, i've done it before just to see sure but like takeout pho from even a restaurant a pho restaurant that i would like really really like is just not the same. You have to go back and heat it and stuff. And when you got to do that, then you start uh, like I don't know. It throws off the whole balance of the entire dish. You need it to mm-hmm. be delivered to you, yeah, in person. No, yeah. I definitely get that. We uh, we have a local fair place that we love, Felien, that is like right across the street from the like birth center where we had Toby. And so when Teffer was pregnant, we would like go there, you know, semi regularly between appointments or whatever, and like get food and it was great and they deliver and like their their soup does deliver fairly well like we mm-hmm. usually we don't have to reheat it unless the driver took too long which like side note sometimes uber eats drivers have other deliveries along the way and anytime i see that <laughs> I, I my my heart sinks a little bit because i know that Aww. my food's not going to be as good as usual <laughs> um but like you know usually their food their soup delivers really well and we don't have to heat it up but every time we have to heat it up it feels like we've lost something a little bit in that process. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find like of... they don't give you enough of the soup as well. Like mm. I want it. I want just like a bucket of water. Like if they're not <laughs> delivering me a uh, home Depot, one of those giant buckets <laughs> of broth, then you've done it wrong. I don't care about this little styrofoam cup you just gave me. Like that's useless to me. Sure. Yeah, no, that's it. You want, you want a whole keg. 
frankly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what? If if we want to do keg stands after the pandemic Ooh. of just pho broth. Oh my god. I'd party with that. That sounds great. That's what you do the morning after having a keg stand with beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I puke. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, no, but that's it. And and I find like it's funny cuz I don't have a huge concept of Vietnamese food as a like cuisine. Like mm. gr- like in Montreal, we definitely have a lot of Vietnamese restaurants. It just wasn't a cuisine that I ordered a lot growing up because I think maybe my mom didn't like it or maybe my mom just had her go-tos that like you know we had five or six places we ordered from that's it we don't we don't experiment but like it wasn't something I grew up eating with the exception of like there were a handful of Chinese restaurants that also had some Vietnamese dishes on the menu which I learned later Um, (laughs) but like my concept of Vietnamese food was very much pho for a very long time it was like it was pho and it was like the rice paper spring roll kind of situations right well i mean like pho is um, vietnam's like national dish so that would make sense yeah exactly but i i find this pandemic has maybe opened my eyes a little bit to the possibilities of vietnamese food because in ordering from our local pho place i've experimented a little bit and gotten other stuff off the menu out of paranoia that my soup wouldn't be hot enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh but even with that even with the like oh man i've gotten some like delicious like grilled beef and stuff that just like blew my mind but even with Mm -hmm. that i still find myself going no what i want today is soup what i want today is soup i want that very specific flavor of the broth i want the crunchy uh bean sprouts i want everything you know for sure absolutely and it's funny to me because like every I don't make beef as often and the reason why i don't is because it's a lot of money and effort to put sure. it to, to to make beef pho. and uh, i mean like they've made it quicker in the sense that you can use an instant pot now to like mm. expedite the the broth making process but like if you're doing it the quote unquote normal way uh, not having an instant pot like uh, you got to get these beef bones to like start the broth and then you're putting in a bunch of like beef like stuff to add flavor to the broth and that you're talking about like like a four or five hour process right. <laughs> like creating just the broth. So when I make it, it's going to be in a big ass pot and we're eating pho for days. Like right. I'm not doing this for one <laughs> meal. Yeah. But, or, and then of course, like it depends on how much you put in it and stuff like that. Like I talked about beef balls and like, you can get like tendons and like whatever, whatever. And I go pretty all out with a lot of this stuff. And then you're looking at like, let's say a $50, $60 bill to right. make pho when you can go to a restaurant, order an extra, extra large for $11. Right. <laughs> so, so it's like, mm, what do I want to do today? Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and it's, I think that part of that, this is an interesting thing actually that I did want to touch on is this idea of a master stock, right? Which like, yeah. I think it's hard to have a master stock for home cooking because like, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you know, especially like you guys are what two people plus your dog. Who I don't know. Does your dog eat pho? Uh, I I hope not. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So like, you know, but even like even for a family of four or five, like it would be I think really difficult to eat the same broth often enough in a week to like be worth making enough of it to be worth the price of making it. Did that sentence make sense? That makes sense for most people. For yeah. myself, like that definitely makes sense for Laura. Like she, she gets tired of this eating the same food. Like I am, I can eat the same food for like a, a week straight, <laughs> sure. no problem. Every single meal, I don't care if it tastes good. Like pho, 
give it to me. Right. <laughs> well, there you go. So maybe maybe that's the solution is you need to just like double down. You know? And I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. but this idea of a master stock. So this is a term that I heard at some point on TV that I thought was cool. Uh, it's essentially the idea of like you get your broth going and you keep building on it and you keep working on the same one. Like functionally, you just never wash this pot. This pot just always has stock uh, going. And like yeah. as you, you know, ladle some out into one bowl, you then like start working on more to add more to the broth and you just keep it going and you keep it simmering like yeah. all fucking week and you just have the same pot of broth going forever. And I have heard, <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what restaurant this is. I don't know how common this is, but I have heard of restaurants where their stock has been going for like ages because they just keep it constantly turning over and constantly updating it and constantly adding it to it and cooking mm-hmm. it. And that builds that flavor over time. And I think that that yep. is something that like, yeah, <laughs> like if you can get a bowl of, of, uh, made with broth that's been like cooking for a month straight and developing those flavors for $11. <laughs> that's definitely worth it over. It's so much yeah. like, of course I feel as though though, like there's a toss up, which is why I like when my parents do it, like my dad's just a monster. Like he, he gives you like insane pork. I'm also a pig. So like I want like insane portions, like give me a lot of broth, sure. but give me like lots of noodles, give me lots of beef, give me lots of like whatever. But like at restaurants, sometimes these are the bad pho restaurants. When then you get an extra large bowl of pho or extra extra large, whatever it is, the biggest bowl. I always ask for the biggest bowl possible. <laughs> uh, give me the secret bowl in the back, um, and they give you a ton of broth and just they don't balance it enough. They mm. give you like minimal noodles. Like they give you enough noodles for like a regular size. Uh, bowl of pho right. and a regular like portion of beef and stuff like that but if I'm ordering extra large <laughs> give me fill the bowl please yeah. with everything yeah, absolutely well that's what it that's what it should be too right because ultimately like you're mostly paying for the ingredients or the yes. the topping I don't know how to garnishes you're uh, you're paying like, for the non broth is what I'm trying to say <laughs> Exactly. So if you're like just giving me more broth when you give me a bigger bowl, but you don't balance it with the other stuff, then then you fails me. Yeah, that's when you <laughs> charge the same price. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I get that. I, I think that there has to be that balance, right? I uh, mm-hmm. I find when we order in, we don't have the issue of not enough broth from our local place. Like they send uh, like a, a hearty amount, like it is it is always enough. But they also send more. Again, I'm just I I feel like there's not a good word for all of the stuff that goes in it apart from garnishes. Yeah. Garnishes? I don't know. I know what you're you're talking about. It's like, I want to say garnishes, but then like, in my mind, garnishes go on top and like it all gets mixed in. You know what I mean? But like, I would say ingredients then, right? Like that would make sense. Yeah. The, 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 the body of the soup or whatever. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) They always send extra of that. And I love that because it means that there's, you know, plenty, but I also then end up being like, well, what am I going to do with like the last, like, you know, handful of bean sprouts that just did not fit in either of our bowls here. And now we just have like a bag of bean sprouts lying. Well, but, but I mean, you know, that's a good problem to have because then you have a bag of bean sprouts lying around and you can use yeah. them for something else later. So maybe I just need to look at it as some free groceries with my meal. I don't know. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you can. So what I do with beef, uh, actually with any pho, I'll talk about chicken pho in a bit, but mm-hmm. like 
with Bifa in particular, once I start getting towards the end and I have like a handful of ingredients where I can't make a full soup, mm-hmm. or maybe I have reached the point where I don't want to eat a brothy soup anymore because, you know, the the main thing about that is it, it takes time sure. to make. You still got to like build it and then pour the thing over it and all this stuff. And of course, it's always worth it. But sometimes you just need something quick where you can just pop in the microwave and go. Yeah. So instead, I make pho sao. And it, all that means is uh, it's fried pho. Oh. I, and I would use, yes, and I would use a black bean sauce and use the broth from the pho, the leftover. Use like a cup of that. Throw noodles onto a pan. Use that black bean sauce I was talking about. Uh, it has a little bit of garlic in it as well. And you, I think you only use like a tablespoon of that bad boy, uh, depending how much you're making. Uh, throw those bean sprouts in there. Throw the rest of your meat in it and just fry it up. Okay. Uh, just, just fry it up on like medium high for like uh, a couple minutes. And then when you're done that, boom, you have fried pho. And it's just blah. It's so good. Yeah. No, I'm here for that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I, that's like my other favorite part of pho is that I can morph the soup into a fried version of it. Mm-hmm. And it will taste just as good and sometimes even better right. depending. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love a dish that has that kind of versatility built into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of May, I'm going to be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in Montreal. They can turn every $1 that they get into $3, which means that your free rating and review does $6 of good for a family in need. That's really cool math. Uh, Now that the show has been heavily focused on food for a while, I went back and I noticed that most of our existing Apple Podcast reviews are pretty outdated and still talk about this thing as if it's a comedy podcast. So if you've already left a review in the past, maybe take this opportunity to go update it. And I'll include that as a new review, even if it's technically just an update of an old one. You can read about everything that The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. If you want to request a topic for an episode of the show like Andrew did, hit the Patreon link in the description of this episode and go pledge. You can do that for as little as a dollar a month, and that goes a long way toward helping me keep the show going, so everybody wins. If you want to hear more of me and Tongue talking about food together, go back and listen to episode 289 of Up for Discussion, available on this very same podcast feed. We get into the basics of backyard barbecue safety, and Tongue shares about his favorite grilled pork dish, Nam Nung. You can also go listen to the barbecue episode of Tongue's show Ranked Top 5 Lists of Stuff That Don't Matter, where I argued with him and a couple of my pals from Natural Toonie about the best barbecue dishes. There will be links to both of those in the description of this episode. Lastly, if you haven't listened yet to last week's episode about Autolenghi's flavor, go cue that up and give it a listen after you finish this one. My guest Gabrielle Samick and I have a great chat about ways to feel more prepared and equipped to tackle challenges in the kitchen, and reflect a little on the relationship between food and spectator sports, like baseball and Senate meetings. All right, back to the show. So you said you wanted to also talk about chicken pho. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd be remiss because, like, you know, you can buy beef pho, I feel like, is the staple. And I should say there's different types of pho there, but for me, myself, I, I would focus in on the beef version sure and then there's chicken version and then there's versions of soup that is like pho like hokdio that's more like you know you're using different ingredients to make it slightly different and it's hard to tell the distinction between one bowl of soup <laughs> that's vermicelli and the other sure. i just know they're two different things because right. they taste different enough <laughs> but with chicken pho it's 
I whenever I make pho these days, I usually lean towards chicken pho. And the only reason is pure laziness because I know how to make it using an instant pot. Sure. And it's so much quicker <laughs> than making beef pho. And it tastes pretty good. I, I, I would say like I really like it still, but like beef pho is like my baby. I, I'd much rather have that. But sure. chicken pho, just the the quickness of making it, uh, it, I can make it in like an hour probably or less, and then you have a bowl of pho afterwards. It's still pretty awesome. What's the um? What are the like key differences apart from like apart from the meat? I guess is there any like is it the same seasoning, the same sort of like flavor um, profile? You would use slightly different like I, I beef pho is like such a beef centric thing right sure. so like you're putting those beef bones in there uh you're putting like uh whatever beef like stuff in the broth so yeah it's the core uh flavoring that distinguishes the two sure and with uh chicken pho like i would usually use like a whole chicken um and throw that in the instant pot to and then like put like chicken base powder on it and like salt and more salt <laughs> maybe like rock sugar and stuff like that and then I would let it go for a little bit and yeah it's just so much quicker sure. where I find with beef uh, like I have to I have to go to like uh, Asian butcher and ask for beef bones and most of the time they'll start speaking to me in whatever language and I have to be like I'm sorry I'm whitewashed I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and then they get angry at me. Um, and then I'm like, do you have beef bones? And I'll just try to say it again. <laughs> and usually uh, they they just uh, ignore me afterwards and help somebody else because oh. Asian supermarket people really don't give a fuck. <laughs> so that's why I found like the one place in KW that I know for sure they have it. Right. And now I know who to ask or where to go to just pick it up and avoid conversation altogether. <laughs> now, have you considered getting a tattoo of the exact <laughs> bones that you're looking for for your broth so I that have... anytime you're in a store, you can just point to that if there's a language issue and be like, do you have this, this thing on my arm? <laughs> Yes, yes, but I unfortunately they 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 have poor eyesight, so I have to put it on my chest, and then when I open my chest to show the tattoo, I get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a Vietnamese Jean Valjean ripping your shirt up. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, they don't even speak Vietnamese. Like, if it was Vietnamese, I could at least like broken Vietnamese speak back to them, and I understand what they're talking about. I'm pretty sure they're talking about uh, they're talking in Mandarin or a form of Chinese or something, and, and that's fine. It just sucks for me who wants to get these beef bones out of them. Sure. But they're always so angry whenever I ask. I don't get it. That's rough. Maybe, yeah. I, I wonder if it's like a... I wonder if it's hard to get the bones. So they're like always a little bit like, come on, man, don't ask for the bones. Uh, I don't think it's hard. I think it's more like they they they, they look at me and they're like, man, your parents didn't raise you, right? <laughs> they <should. laughs> Should have taught you your native language better. Come on. Uh, and then they ignore me. <laughs> I feel like anytime I go to a butcher and have a specific request that isn't something I can point at, they they seem a little bit off put by it, you know? Anytime yeah. I like anytime you have to ask them for anything like with words, instead of just being like, Yeah, can I get two of these? 
They're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. are you really talking to me right now? Yeah, yeah. Are, are, you, you, are you seriously serious? asking me to do more of my job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have this nice butcher around the corner from us that's like a, it's like a gourmet grocer kind of place. And like, I avoided it like the plague for a really long time when they first opened up because I felt like they were a part of a wave of gentrification that was hitting our neighborhood. And they absolutely mm-hmm. are. But they're also a really good butcher. So I go there sometimes now. And like, I... Uh, <laughs> I recently bought a sausage grinder slash sausage stuffer, you know, so I can make Mm -hmm. my own sausages. And I like bought a book that's going to teach me how to make all my own sausages. And uh, I haven't done it yet. And part of that is because (laughs) I went once like two, three weeks ago and bought like casings from them. And the butcher gave me a look and asked me questions. And I was like, I really just wanted to buy like can you just give me some casings, please? Don't give me like the third degree here on this. And it was so intimidating that I haven't like gone back and gotten more. Oh my God. That's hilarious. You almost sold me on wanting to make my own sausages. And now you've given me the reason why I don't want to. I mean, the nice thing, the nice thing about sausage is you can still grind your own sausage and just make patties or like put it on a skewer or something. You don't have to like, necessarily pipe it into a bag mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah one day i'll get over my fear of talking to the butcher and ask him for like four feet of pig intestines or whatever so that i can do it yeah properly. it's like it's, so the uh, not to just talk about butchers but like to see them do it because like in the place that i go to in kw like they, it's pretty open they don't sure. go to the back it's just the giant ass freaking saw that like if you put your face through it you will die instantly sure <laughs> it's like right there in the public so when i ask for these bones it's incredible the dexterity and confidence (laughs) these people do to just just guide these bones through this thing that can just decimate your hand instantly and how close to the blade they go and i'm like you know you're much braver than me (laughs) i feel like there's like there's two types of people maybe three types of people who have like just incredibly steady hands and it's like brain surgeons disney animators and butchers yeah exactly it's crazy i'm just like holy crap like that is your your hand's really close to the saw do you know that (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if there's also a certain amount of like who cares like i'm cool i'm a butcher and like if i lose a hand i'm gonna get like workers comp or whatever yeah i mean like even still i don't think i would if I got a really good workers comp, I don't know if I want to lose my hand over it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're different. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about like, what would I want to do in my spare time? Video games, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And now I can't play video games because oh. I chop my hand off like an idiot. <laughs> that's Well, that's why you, you chop off your non-dominant hand and then you uh-huh. just play like, <laughs> you have to a just play Wii games. games. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you can Mobile manage. games. <laughs> Get really good at Candy Crush, or uh huh, uh huh. Although now phones are so big, you can't you can't even play mobile games one hand. Can't even anymore. do. I know. Back they, in my they, day, they ruined it. Back in my day, workers' comp meant something. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had chicken pho. I always go for the beef. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe I should. Chicken try pho that is good. Time. Chicken pho is good. Like I feel like the flavoring is it, it's chicken. So like sure. it's still very good. I just feel like with beef, it's a lot more interesting depending on what's in the broth because mm. there's so many different cuts of beef out there sure and when you use those cuts of beef and fats for the broth you get to unlock 
like so many different flavors. And I feel like with chicken, although very good, there's only so many ways you can slice a chicken. <laughs> like, right. like you, you, I get a whole chicken, and what else am I going to put in there? Like a little bit of chicken broth powder or whatever. Like it's just, it's just chicken, which sure. is still good. But you know, yeah, it 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 lacks a little bit. I I think that the the thing that I think probably makes the biggest difference is uh, like the fat content of the animal, right? Because chicken is a kind of um, it's mm-hmm. a less fatty protein than mm-hmm. than beef, whereas beef has like you know, and like you said, especially depending on which cuts you're putting in, like beef just has more fat that it lets out into the broth, which like I don't know, yeah. it changes it. You know, it changes the like I don't want to say like molecular structure of it or whatever, but it changes the uh, the mouth. I'm sure feel. it changes the molecular structure. I'm sure it does, but I mean, like, I- I'm not sure if we're both qualified enough to say what aspect of the molecular structure it changes. <laughs> yeah, I-, I don't know about you, but I do not have a science degree. I do have a science degree, and I do not have enough knowledge <laughs> to be able to tell you. Well, Tung, we are almost at the end of our show. Uh, we're almost at the end of the uh, lunch break that we're both on from work. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap, do you have any final thoughts about pho, any final words of wisdom for people who, you know, either have never had it before or have never made it themselves and want to make it any like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, secrets of the trade or whatever? I I mean, like, I think making pho, like, we can make a whole podcast episode of me giving you the step-by-step instructions on how to make pho, but I won't bore people with that. You can look it up online. Although, there are so many different, like, instructional videos out there and stuff that, like, make pho the wrong way, I guess, <laughs> and I don't love it. And I, I think if you're using pho instant packets and that kind of stuff or like um you know like you can get those like just powder that's just like oh you can flavor your broth as pho Mm. that don't don't it's it's (laughs) garbage it's it's you're doing a disservice to pho all around the world if you're using (laughs) that like if you want pho that badly just order it from a restaurant sure i think getting cold pho is better than using those instant packets that's how strong i feel because i had that once and i'm just like this sucks this <laughs> this does not taste like pho even like the ones where it's like instant um noodle uh, bowls you can get for like ramen and stuff which i love mm-hmm. like just naughty snack kind of thing or sure. lunch and they have those for pho i'm just like man like it's just not the same so if you do want to make it, and I think you can get, I would recommend getting an Instant Pot in general because mm-hmm. uh, you can do so many things with an Instant Pot. It makes things so much quicker to pressure cook a thing, mm-hmm. um, even with like beef pho. That's one of the things that my dad is trying to tell me to do. Like <laughs> He told me how to make the family recipe the regular way, and now he's figured out how to do it in the Instant Pot. I just haven't asked him yet. Right. <laughs> so... I would recommend going that route, and then yes, you have to go get the bones and all that stuff. Do it right, and and then experiment a little bit and find out what works best for you. Like a, a classic um, law family ingredient for what I found basically everything sure. is chicken stock. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's like mm, chicken. Just throw some chicken stock here. Throw some chicken stock here, Dad. It's a beef. Uh, yeah, just throw some chicken stock in the broth. <laughs> uh, so I, I use that literally for all my Vietnamese dishes sure. all the time. And, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think 
if you haven't had a bowl of pho in your life, well, there's no better time to start than in the hot summer, I guess, that's coming up. <laughs> no better time than when you could cook it by putting the bowl on the sidewalk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say the, uh, on like using chicken stock for everything, a little hack I realized recently that, uh, I mean, it sounds like probably you do this already since you have your dad just uses chicken stock on everything. But uh, mm-hmm. a little hack that I figured out recently is that if you put like a bouillon cube, like a chicken stock cube in the pot with your rice as you're cooking it, mm-hmm. it like flavors the rice really easily oh, yeah. and like perfectly throughout the entire pot. And then you have like rice that's just like a little bit of a step up from just plain rice. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I agreed. Chicken stock's amazing. <laughs> you can literally put it on anything and it just tastes better. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, good it is for you, but I don't care. That's okay. Like, you know, it's like the title of the show says, there's no bad food. That's right. Oh, that's oh, perfect. Perfect. Oh, you should have oh, ended on that. Button. <laughs> Tongue, before I let you go, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want people to check out? Uh, yeah, just check out the the better podcast. No, I'm oh! kidding. We are rivals. We are ah! rivals. The Yugi Joey thing. The blue eyes white dragon versus the red eyes black dragon. <laughs> Wait, Yugi doesn't use a blue eyes. That's right. I mean, okay. He uses Dark Magician. I just, I was going with the dragons. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're not talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! once again. It matters a little bit. You can, <laughs> well, we can save it for a top five, top five Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Save it for um, the pod, Yug! <laughs> uh, you can find the rest of the shows for myself in the pod cavern at www.podcavern.com we are looking always to add new shows to our network and expand but if you want to find me specifically uh, the three shows that I'll plug right here are ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter which we rank top five lists that Tom's been on a few times now mm-hmm. uh, Talk and Tongue where we talk about pop culture with a guest and catch up and talk about life and then talk about a movie which Tom's also been on, <laughs> and then Disney Dummies, where we go through all of Disney's catalog animated features from beginning to end, one by one, which I have banned Tom from talking about that. Whoa, one. hold so up. He's not, they have not been on that one. I think I, I think I didn't realize you were doing it chronologically. Mm-hmm. That's fucking cool. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> I, I like. I noticed, like, I had noticed that you were doing a lot of the old ones, but it hadn't like clicked that you're. That's amazing, cool. Chronologically, one by one, theatrical wow. releases. We've gone through some bad movies. I bet. <laughs> uh huh. Now we're literally in the like golden age of movies that like a renaissance that like I grew up with, and the whole reason I wanted to do the podcast. So like, we finally hit Beauty and the Beast, and I'm like, finally. We're here. <laughs> you, you managed to get through Peter Pan. Oh man, there's some really bad ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. Peter Pan's okay. Peter Pan's okay. Peter Pan is like one edit away from being okay. There's that one song that you got to. There's there's one song and one phrase that they say a whole lot in that movie, and you just cut that oh. out, and it's great. Well, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that for a little while. You can listen to our episode where we point out all the problems with Peter Pan. (laughs) Dizzy dummies. Oh, man. Amazing. Well, hey, thank you so much. This was awesome. uh, Maybe I'll have to get you back to have you walk step by step through the entire process of making fun. We can live stream it for, you know, a week and a half straight. Five hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Well, thank you. This was great. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. 
Did we miss something you think we should have said? Tell us all about it on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, like Andrew did today. So if that is appealing to you, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. Last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast. Helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of The Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah!